If you spend 12 hours staring at a computer, you know, it's, it's, you're not going to feel great at the end of it. So actually taking that time to recuperate, reset your mind. Sometimes you can feel quite challenged by emails that come in. You know, you can feel quite emotionally attached to them, perhaps annoyed or, you know, things can affect your mindset quite a lot. And it's good to find that space. You know, it happens at the moment that we're mainly working digitally. Um, but everyone's talking about how do you work? How does that work for you? What's happening? And, you know, being perhaps a little bit more open about, you know, what, what's what's going on in terms of mental health as well. So I think this sharpening of focus is, you know, not just the fact that we're digitally working, um, but that awareness. So today's episode is on the very 2020 topic of digital well-being or sort of digital fatigue um, as well. And I liked the idea that comes up in the episode of getting vitamins of digital well-being. So treating, you know, digital health as something that you need to feed with vitamins to do with setting boundaries and making sure that you... um, control the technology rather than let it control you. Um, There's one example in it of um, what do you do if your boss wants to work late at night and expects you to at the same time? I think think my answer would be that's not acceptable. And a lot of it's around making sure that you working in an environment that that suits the way you work. So my, my two guests today are Elizabeth Marsh. Elizabeth is Digital Workplace Group's Director of Research and author of our the latest report, Digital Workplace Overload, How to Reduce Employee Techno Stress, uh, available for free on the DWG website. She's worked as a practitioner, researcher and consultant in the digital workplace field for over 20 years is a strong advocate for digital literacy and digital well-being at work. Um, Elizabeth's currently doing a PhD at the University of Nottingham in the UK, focusing on employee techno stress and the potential of mindfulness to help reduce it. And she's really good on mindfulness and has got a course on Udemy um, which I'd recommend. She also co-authored with me the book the digital renaissance of work delivering digital workplaces fit for the future which got shortlisted as management book of the year didn't win but it did get shortlisted and my other guest is dr christine grant she is the deputy head of the school of psychological social and behavioral sciences at coventry university in the uk Uh, Christine is a chartered and registered occupational psychologist and applied researcher in the psychology of remote e-working. Her work explores the impact of technology on remote e-workers, work-life balance, job effectiveness, well-being. Um, She has recently co-edited a book on agile working and well-being and is currently developing a digital competency competency framework for organizations and the book that she has written is called agile working and well-being in the digital age and it will be in the show notes now for today's episode yeah so digital well-being um and so i'm asking myself and we're recording this in october 2020 what was digital well-being a thing before covid and because it's certainly become a thing in 2020 um christine as as digital well-being is it new or is it has it been around for a while well i'd say it certainly isn't new and it's uh it's a phenomena that's come up about uh, and reached more amplification since um, the pandemic and through COVID. Um, but for me, digital well-being has always been very high on the agenda and very important before lockdown. Um, you know, I would say that um, with the government advising us to work more from home, um, individuals and organisations are having to move quickly to put in place new ways of working to sort of meet that requirement. Um but, you know, many people are already working from home, you know, one or two days a week ad hoc. Um, so what's really changed is this has gone from a kind of short term um, episode, if you like, but into a much longer term proposition. 
And I think that brings a lot more challenges, should I say, um, because lots of people would have been managing the one or two days potentially. And lots of people might have thought that was a kind of an easy option. Potentially, it was never an easy option because, you know, managing different roles, juggling time, managing these flexible hours is not an easy thing to do whilst working with technology. And and, and what effect has the the events of this year had on the topic of of digital well-being has it um has it helped our digital well-being has it uh harmed it or was it or or was it just changed it i think that the issues around digital well-being were starting to emerge quite strongly um some of my research has looked at the switched on culture so people not being able to switch off from work. That's been around for quite some time now. So I wouldn't say that's new. But of course, as I say, now we've been sort of pushed into using technology so much more. Um, obviously, it's heightened the issues around that. And yes, I've, I've found through my own research that actually it can affect mental health. Um, it's really very important for us to switch off and recuperate from work. Um, I was just describing earlier, I have a number of pieces of technology here that I'm trying to juggle, two phones, three computers. <laughs> All of them have got alerts on them at different times. So it's it's very hard to juggle that sort of thing and to really effectively have some downtime away from this. Mm. And and Elizabeth, I mean, what? maybe we should start with this. I mean, how would you define, how would you describe, what, what is digital well-being what's interesting i read a paper recently that was talking about digital ill-being so we can almost look at the inverse and understand you know what what goes wrong to understand you know what we need to to work better but you know i'm 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 looking into the area of techno stress which is and that's been studied for sort of 10 nearly 15 years um and and now it's coming into sharper focus um but you know things like um a sense of overload, um, uh, it can be a sense of addiction, uh, the stress that can build up uh, from, you know, being always connected, um, a variety of effects that, that can go wrong. And I think those are coming into sharper focus, as Christine's been saying, you know, we've known those things for a while um, and they've been researched, but, but they're really now coming into focus. And I think as we're moving, uh, again, as you said, Christine, as we're moving from uh remote working uh, being something that we might do occasionally into something that's much longer term and as we go into the winter um, you know that that's kind of coming into much stronger focus that we need to understand the things that can go wrong and how can we address those as well yeah and uh, I mean it's it's been an extraordinary kind of process hasn't it and I I can't um count the number of organizations who've talked to me about fatigue in their workforce um and it's it's sort of digital fatigue but it's also the kind of fatigue of 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 not having the normal routine the kind of pressures of 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 being in an environment where nobody knows how long things are going to go on for how it's going to change I do ask myself kind of randomly whether people in New Zealand who've now got life back to inverted commas normal, right? Are, are they kind of free of all of these stresses and strains because life around them is completely sort of as it was before? Or is the kind of halo effect of a world going through all of the uh, all of the kind of turmoil affecting them? Have you got any views on that? Yeah, and it's interesting. I was I was reading a paper earlier about you know we've gone from resistance to revolution, and and in this idea that you know we've been making this really quite slow shift to this way of working for for decades, and there's been so much resistance, and in a matter of months, you know, a lot of that has been broken through, um, and you know we've we've realised lots of benefits of that. So how do you go back and do people want to go back? And I think the consensus among a lot of managers and employees is that we now want to find a new way. And it's maybe some kind of hybrid uh, between the different ways that we've experienced the physical workplace and the digital workplace. And, you know, again, there, what are the well-being implications if some people are working in the office some of the time, some people are at home all of the time? 
And so we need to reshape um, the way that we understand our digital connections and the way that we work together through them. Mm. And, you know, and and kind of, Christine, I'm just kind of thinking that, you know, is it is it the topic, is the topic really about digital well-being or is it just about well-being or, or kind of balance? Because uh, is is it that there's been so much more technology used in work? And, and the difference that I feel has happened this year is that, you know, in the past when people were choosing to work remotely, they, the, the point was they chose to work remotely. This time, um, 50% of the workforce, and obviously there are a whole bunches of people who aren't working in this way, um, have been forced to work remotely. So there's been no choice in the situation. I'm wondering whether the, the, the problem of well-being is around, you know, the technology or is it just a, a broader environmental um, issue about how we're working? Mm. That's interesting, actually, because my own research has looked at the impact of technology on well-being, work-life balance and job effectiveness. So it's looked at those three areas in some detail. And I think that um, switching from working from home all the time in the short term has brought some challenges, um, you know, in terms of role conflict and that sort of thing and homeschooling, looking after vulnerable friends and family. But I think working in this longer period um, really can cause some strain that Elizabeth alluded to there around techno stress. Um, you know, we do have to consider ergonomics, how we're sitting, the long hours that we're putting in. And I think technology does drive that. The fact that work is, is constantly available. It's really up to us to put in these boundaries between our work and non-working time. But it's hard to do when you're not very practiced at that. And perhaps you've, you're quite driven for productivity and performance, worried about losing your job. You know, presenteeism does come into this type of working as well. Um, we notice that people will just carry on working whether they're sick or not uh, in this environment. So I think technology facilitates this, but can also be quite detrimental to our well-being. So to answer your question, I think it's a bit of both, actually. Mm. But I mean, people weren't really paying as much attention as to, uh, as they are now to the topic of well-being when we had um, <clears throat> commuting happening relentlessly every single day for whole swathes of the population. And people went, well, that's just what's required to do your job. And there wasn't a whole um, lot of focus around that. Why? Why? Why the difference? Why, why did people ignore that and, and not ignore this? It's really interesting, isn't it, that they would, would ignore the commuting. And I think that's the one thing about remote working or agile working um, that actually provides that flexibility not to commute at some of those times, even if you are going into the office. So it mm. reduces that strain all around, both on the transport network, but also on individuals' well-being. Yeah, I do find it interesting. Mm. I used to commute myself into London for 15 years uh, and being on a packed train certainly does reduce your well-being. Um, however, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> sitting at your computer is also not great. Um, and certainly mm. using things like virtual conferencing can give you, you know, quite bad headaches, um, and issues with vision and such like. So, you know, it's, it's almost trading one for another. But I think the thing with digital wellbeing is that we have a feeling that we could and should be managing it better, but aren't quite. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and Elizabeth, do, do you think that the reason maybe this sort of artificial distinction I've drawn with, with commuting is because um, commuting had been, became established. It was a cultural norm. Whereas if you like this unprecedented level of remote working is, is new, it, you know, as Christine says, it's been happening for, uh, you know, it's for, for quite a long time. But um, do you think it's because we're, we're now for the first time getting our heads around what happens when we're when we're wor- working in a two dimensional screen for such long periods? I think it has changed what's acceptable. And I think of a friend of mine who is a piano teacher who has been moved to virtual teaching, um, as so many people have. And, and now actually has to have a, quite a serious operation, which, you know, would have knocked out his teaching practice for months. And now he can carry on 
you know, um, teaching at home and having an income from that. So, you know, beforehand, if he'd suggested to people, oh, perhaps I could teach you online, you know, that wouldn't have been of any interest. People would have said, why would I do that? So similarly with other things in the workplace, you know, as you say, the norms that we had, people just accepted them. What's interesting about this time, I think, is, is it's this awareness that we're developing of how we're working. And I think, you know, it happens at the moment that we're mainly working digitally. Um, but everyone's talking about how do you work? How does that work for you? What's happening? And, you know, being perhaps a little bit more open about, you know, what, what's what's going on in terms of mental health as well. So I think this sharpening of focus is, you know, not just the fact that we're digitally working, um, but that awareness. And I think, you know, I come from sort of mindfulness angle. Um, so I'm interested in how do we bring more present moment awareness to what's happening in our digital work. So for example, you know, have I just become so absorbed in my digital work life that I haven't paused, I haven't taken a break, I'm not aware that my shoulders are hunched, whatever it is. Um, so the more we can bring awareness to our work practices, physical and digital, um, the better, I think. Hmm. And, and and Christine, could, can you give me an example of what a positive version of digital well-being looks like i mean perhaps you know talk me through a day that 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 would demonstrate what you would think of as good practice well i actually think that looks different for everybody so i think it would be quite hard to do that with assuming that we're all the same um as i mentioned earlier we have different and multiple roles and commitments that we're all managing so for me it's about working out what's right for you and your family and friends and those around you um because we have individual differences not only in what we do but also in our personalities we have different strains and stresses to work through and our dying downtime will be different too you know how we see that where we want that to be what our commitment is to work you know I happen to work and quite like working long days and working quite hard but also when I put in my time out um, can be quite a lot more flexible when you're working in this kind of agile way so I might put it in a very different place to someone else um, so I think my advice would be to grain really to gain a greater awareness of what you're presently doing. Maybe keep a techno diary or something. So to work out where your times are, where you've got space, think about balancing the vitamins of well-being. So the physical diet, mental health, social, are you getting all those things together in your day, your week? And if anything's missing, then obviously look for some of the gaps. Um, and I'm sure that Elizabeth would support me in this as well, in that you do need to be kind to yourself because some days are just so incredibly busy. Uh, and we know that you are more productive when you work from home. We actually work very hard uh, in this environment. So if you have to work hard on that day, maybe you need to ease up on the next day or another time when you can. Uh, it is hard to switch off from some types of jobs. Um but one of the things I found helpful is potentially to schedule time out in my diary, perhaps to ask others to take me for a walk or help me to switch off. So I think there are some things there and I wouldn't want to say what it was a perfect day would be for someone else. I probably know what it is for me. But uh, yeah, I think mm. you have to take some actions to work that out for yourself to some extent. But I'm presuming, you know, Elizabeth, if you know, if somebody's telling you, look, I've got huge problems, you know, I've, I'm now working remotely, um, I, I can't switch off, um, I enjoy what I do, but I, you know, it's like it's one online meeting after another. Uh, people don't seem to leave any time. Uh, you know, what <clears throat> what would your advice be? Well, I mean, we've get we've... a different job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, you can't confuse the digital issues with, you know, if the workload is is unacceptable or undoable, um, if the management is poor, those things, it's just poor management. You know, sometimes I think we see the technology being being blamed for that. So, you know, it's not all about technology, but I think that something that really um, strikes me is around um, 
making agreements as teams. So you know we're we're work, working with you, but we're working as part of a team. We 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 have we have a manager, or we may manage a team, and we have people that we're collaborating with, um, and actually to have conversations about how we're working. You know, and talk about. Um, how is that working? You know, do we email all the time? Are we using certain tools? Which people in the time are happy in the team are happy to be um, perhaps always on and instant messaging, and other people who might really need more focus time. So um, we're just pub- about to publish a report at DWG on on digital overload, and in that there's individual and team skills and tactics to help you stay focused to handle interruptions. Uh, to communicate uh, in a more optimal way and also just deal with the range of information and tools. So I think that, as Christine said, it's gonna—it's not one size fits all. Um, but I think, and I loved the idea actually of keeping a, a techno diary because it, it really brings it home to us what we're doing when we actually write it down. Um, but doing that as an individual, but as I say, also doing it as teams as well. Mm. And I suspect, Elizabeth, you've got a perfectly even well-being day. <laughs> you know, you're you're an, an exponent of mindfulness. Um, you you've got what looks like a, a terrific new course on. Am I pronouncing it right? U- Udemy. Ud- yes. Yeah. Udemy. Okay, and um, which highly recommend. Um, all on digital and mindfulness and digital mindfulness in in the workplace but but so so talk me through one of your beautifully balanced <laughs> days and if only i had it all sorted out paul um i find it's a mixture so some things are really clear cut for me and i like to have very clear boundaries so um and I was listening to you interviewing uh, Lauren Vargas, actually, and, and similar to her, I like to start the day without technology. So I like to start with now walking my puppy, um, but also I like to do a little bit of exercise. I like to meditate. Um, and so I like to choose when I start with things like email um, and, and looking into messaging because it just gives me the whole feeling for my day that this is not all about technology and responding and reacting Um, And that gives me a chance to think about, well, what are the things I really need to do today and want to do? And that might change once I check my messages. So um, and and equally, you know, having boundaries around certain times in the day where, um, you know, I I like to move from working on a project, uh, perhaps doing some research to something quite different, you know, whether it's going for a walk or um you know doing a little bit of gardening or whatever it is so having definite times um when i when i kind of move away from the computer and i find you know i can up if i become too focused if i get too sucked in kind of like a digital slump and i find that i've lost energy so you know i think it's with our digital tools it's always an ongoing process to notice our behaviors and then suddenly see, oh, actually, maybe this doesn't quite quite work so well. And, and what can I do to fix that? I was just wondering, Christine, whether we're, we're sort of missing some of the upsides of, I'll call it, you know, the digital ways of working. I mean, obviously, the, there's potentially the overload and stress that can come with it. But, you know, if I think of my own experience or just thinking back in time, you know, there was a time when we had to go into a workplace because that was the only place where the tools of work were. And it was actually a very regimented, restrictive way of working. And I certainly found having worked in this in this way pretty much for the last 35 years that actually it gives you an awful lot of liberation and freedom, flexibility um, and I, I, I sort of delight in being able to run um, uh, a reasonably sized consulting company from wherever I am using a whole manner of different technologies. And I, 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 I think it's, it's a beautiful experience. Mm. Yes, I, th- I think there are lots of positives. And I think one of the things coming through possibly the pandemic um, side of things is that we are actually feeling more connected to our homes and to our families, um, but perhaps a little less connected mm. to our work colleagues. So I think it is that finding that balance, and you're obviously very experienced at doing that. So it's it's about how we do that and how we 
look after ourselves really whilst we're doing this kind of work. I mean, there are massive positives, you know, around managing mm. your own day. If you do have that level of autonomy in your role, of course, not everybody has that, you know, to enable them to do that. Some people do find it very difficult to switch off if they constantly got meetings. Um, I can say that, you know, even speaking from myself, and I'm very experienced too, I've worked from home for many years as well, off and on in a kind of agile way. But actually, through this period of time, I can have days where I could literally have um, virtual meetings from nine in the morning till five in the evening. So it is about kind of self-managing that time to some extent if you can if you have that as I say that autonomy um, but certainly in terms of well-being mm. you know it, it can be very effective you know you can take time out to go for a walk you can you know talk to your partner you can you know collect your children from school whatever you know you can try to be more flexible around some of that time but it does it does take management and awareness very much self-awareness to be able to do that effectively yeah and 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 i think one of the things is is that it's it's this environment in which you work by which i mean how does the team your boss people who report to you how are you all working collectively because that's going to affect even dictate how you work um so i i i i feel that you know when we're, we're we're often talking about digital well-being on an individual level digital fatigue and so on but you know for instance if i if i heard that were people in the company and and there, there will be who who are struggling because of you know digital overload or whatever it's about trying to um, change the environment and the expectations so that they're able to work in a way that that feels feels more appropriate it's quite a lot to do with teams isn't there and organizational structure in this I just wanted to say that I think preferences play a part in this as well. So if you have a manager who prefers to work at certain times of day, so from, I don't know, 8pm in the evening till midnight, <laughs> that can be quite difficult mm. to manage as well. And if your team, as you were saying, also prefers to work at all sorts of different hours, you can find that you might be spread amongst that whole 24 hours in different ways. So... It is about, and I think Elizabeth talked about this, it's about how the team comes together, how it makes that agreement about, okay, so this is when we're going to have these meetings, this is when we're going to work in this way, because agile working naturally lends itself to any time working <laughs> in any place, doesn't it? Yeah, and i um got to ask you though, uh, Christine, I mean, um, do you follow your own advice? And and taught me taught me through i mean you've done it a little bit already but taught me through your you know an ideal day where you feel that you've kind of got the different aspects of this in better balance <laughs> thank you yes well for me it, it has all been about developing self-awareness so i know that i like to work long and hard but i also know that that isn't always good for me to work long periods of time and i think i agree with elizabeth also on the digital slump <laughs> which can happen about 2 p.m after the fifth um, virtual meeting so it's very important yeah. to to ring fence time and I, as i said earlier i I've been finding myself more and more putting time in my diary where I don't want to be interrupted and I want that to be productive time. But I also will will sort of diarise time to go walk as well. So to get that fitness in and to get some fresh air, because if you spend 12 hours staring at a computer, you know, it's, it's, you're not going to feel great at the end of it. So actually taking that time to recuperate, reset your mind. Sometimes you can feel quite challenged by emails that come in. You know, you can feel quite emotionally attached to them, perhaps annoyed or, you know, things can affect mm. your mindset quite a lot. And it's good to find that space. So um, I think I ought to answer your question now. I've been avoiding it for a while. <laughs> but what would my ideal day look like? Um I would schedule time in the morning very early to get through my emails because for me, if I don't get through those, then my whole day can be in disarray. I have a very, my day job's very operational. So I do need to sort of get those things under control as much as possible. Um, but yeah, then like stop, have a coffee 
uh, probably connect with a, a colleague and perhaps have a more informal chat about the day and about the day before. That really helps me as well to sort of ground myself before getting into more of the meetings that will then naturally occur. So usually I follow that with several meetings and then a squeeze in a lunch break if possible. Not so easy, but a perfect day would be to, you know, to press, um, have lunch, you know, away from this room where I spend most of my time with the technology to actually be away from it. And in the summer, it was great to sit outside and have 15 minutes to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I like work, so I am quite attached to to doing it in this way and quite used to doing this. Um, but I think boundaries are key. I really do. And I think when you switch off, find that time that's right for you and switch off, you know, and then go and do something else that's completely different. And it could be watching mindless TV for a while, a couple of box sets or whatever it is, going outside, whatever that thing is. I think it's really important to do that. And that's that's what I would do uh, in my downtime and you know, speak to my daughter and my family and such like, you know. So just find something else to do that isn't this, that isn't technology related necessarily. Um, yeah, and 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 um, you know, Elizabeth, you, you've you've. Uh, I mean, so if you find yourself in a team or with a manager who is expecting you to work in a certain particular way, there are certain kind of new norms that have been set up, especially for you know COVID, and and people have slipped into a new routine. Um, and it's not working for you. How would you recommend that you somebody deals with that? Yeah, I think it's a good question for these times. I've certainly heard stories of people, you know, newly working from home and they're literally sort of stuck in the back bedroom all day um, and, and really struggling with that. And, and it just it has to be through having those conversations, um, you know, within the team with with, you know, hopefully feeling safe enough with with your manager to, to just talk about what, what is and isn't working. Um, and hopefully in the context where we are having more conversations about things like, you know, our mental health, um, and how people are doing, you know, it's, we've, we've got more of that personal, um, kind of aspect perhaps in our work conversations, you know, there's, there's a good setting. And then also bringing examples, you know, I mean, we publish reports and case studies, um, which which contain examples of how it can be done really intelligently so that the organization has productive staff, but also happy staff and people who are going to be able to be productive in the long term. Because, you know, it, while there might be a short term productivity raise, if people are getting fatigued and burned out, then it's it's not going to benefit anyone. So, so I think bringing forth those kind of examples and, and there's lots of research coming out uh, around that as well. Is, is another good good kind of tactic. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean, and I I, I think that um, I, 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 as we talked about earlier, being kinder to ourselves. I mean, we're 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 working through a period where things are not the way we would want um, in, in any way. I mean, there are definitely discovered vast numbers of upsides i mean the number of stories i've heard of people who said this has really reconnected them with their own uh, locality community family um i don't know anybody i've spoken to who said to me i want to go back to the way things were before with no changes at all people talking about reductions of business travel etc etc so there are lots of upsides but we need to kind of also give, be a bit kind of i think kind to ourselves and realize we're working through situations that are that are less than ideal um and i think that's important um i i, I don't know I, for some reason i've written down ask them about nightmare stories um <laughs> this is probably a bit uh, a halloweenish sort of ghoulish part of me thinking of have you heard of any stories of of where people get digital ill-being or digital non-well-being completely wrong what you know what does what do, yeah, any any interesting examples i think um certainly from my research and then the qualitative side i i don't know if it's a halloween story as such but certainly you know lots of people who do work through the night and um 
you know, that can be a choice thing, but also how effective are you at working at 2 a.m. in the morning? I'm not so sure. I think that um, you do need to consider, you know, that, that time frame of working because it does put pressure on others as well. And I do think the the load, the increased weariness that you can have and the cognitive overload we've already talked about it is, is there. And obviously these things build up and, and can lead to poor mental health, increased anxiety, depression. You know, you can get quite a lot of social isolation as well working in this way. We often think that people have got families and people around them, but I've met lots of people who don't have that. And through COVID being isolated anyway, sometimes, um, this has really increased those feelings. So from a psychology point of view, I, I'm really quite concerned about individuals who are working alone uh, and working strange hours potentially as well, because you can lose your sense of kind of reality, I would say. Yeah, I mean, and I've heard, uh, I mean, I was talking to somebody earlier today and they said that, you know, they've got, I think, 200 people in the company and they said the level of emotion is much higher than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. There are people crying on calls. There are there's, there's kind of deep levels of stress. I've had calls with people where um, I can sort of see how upset they are. N- you know, not necessarily that they're crying, but it's just like you, you know, there's a lot of people need a lot of hugs at the moment who aren't getting them, and it's it's quite painful it's worth saying isn't it for you know from us you know from a psychology point of view that if we were in the the workplace we would simply we probably would go over and hug them or we would you know you could get that eye contact but there is something about this virtual community where you see someone upset but there's there's very little you can really do. Uh, and it is that kind of humane, human level that you really want to connect with somebody. I think we're all possibly missing that. And I've had those conversations too where, you know, I can see that staff are really, really upset. Um, um, but I do think this this virtual thing makes it – and I'm not talking from personal experience necessarily, but it somehow makes it easier to deliver less pleasant news um, I don't know. I don't know if that's something Elizabeth's come across as well, mm. because you're not having that generally focused eye contact. Um, I don't know. That's something else to explore, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And I wondered, Elizabeth, whether there's anything, any practices from 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 your digital mindfulness that that can help alleviate some of the, I mean, it's not so much, advice on leave half an hour after every meeting to go for a walk, which I think there are, you know, there's a level of kind of boundary best practice, but are there also kind of mindfulness things that can help? Well, I think the theme that you've both touched on of kindness, um, kindness and compassion is really important. And actually, if we're going to be resilient through this time, um, then that's a really key component of that. So we all have this inner critic Um, that's very very busy most of the time Um, and if we look sometimes at how we speak to ourselves um, and how we drive ourselves with that inner critic we never talk to one of our loved ones in that same way so actually again just becoming aware of that voice and, and and just kind of saying okay let's let's back off here and see if I can just offer myself kindness that this moment is really difficult you know, there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of anxiety, uncertainty, and I'm not alone. You know, other people are feeling this too. Whatever my situation is, maybe it's because, you know, I have no space in the house because I've got full-on family or I'm isolated because I'm on my own. But actually just saying, well, you know, other people are, are suffering too. And perhaps I can just take a moment just to, to offer myself, you know, a sense of kindness and kind words Maybe it's that break just to look out of the window um, and, and kind of take in the mm. good as well. I also think that there's um, uh, there's almost like the quality of the conversation because, um, uh, you know, I have had the benefit of working um, and and running a company in this way for a long time. We, we've worked in a distributed way with no offices now for 
must be eight years or so and and you can either have a transactional conversation or you can you can actually listen to each other you can um you know have time for some humor um so you know we're all using the same technology but how we use it for is going to vary completely uh, and I think that's important. But one thing I've been, I was thinking about, which I was interested to get a view from, from, from you about, Christine, was that it strikes me that one of the problems is that the technology we've got at the moment to use in digital working is, is really, yeah, it works, but it's very uh, two-dimensional. It's very functional. It's very clinical. You know, I can go from one online meeting, can be in Zoom, could be in WebEx, could be in Teams. doesn't matter because essentially it's a bunch of um, people on video on a screen. And, and one of the things, I, I don't know whether you have any views on this, it strikes me we need much richer and much more immersive um, types of technology that feel a lot more um, actually make sense to us as a, as human beings because um, it feels very it feels very thin the text on technology to me at the moment mm. yeah I think and what I was alluding to from the psychological point of view is around the eye contact as well and the kind of lay that you possibly get so you're not quite being in totally in real time so I think something around that would be good and I think the other thing that would help not necessarily with it isn't necessarily the technology but you know thinking about working with others and I noticed in Nottingham they turned a hotel into a community kind of hub where you can go and work together so mm. you might all be working on different things for different organizations but actually you could be in a similar environment and you could be networking quite effectively that way as well so yeah, technology, I think, could be improved for sure. Uh, and we've we've had to take on this new technology very quickly, I would say. It probably isn't that new, actually, but we've, we've had to learn it really quickly. Um, mm. But, yeah, I think there's probably more can be done around that. Yeah, and, and Elizabeth, I think, you know, one of the things we haven't, you know, we, we've sort of been beating up on technology a bit this year. But, but frankly, if we hadn't had the technology you know, um, our problems would have been substantially uh, larger than than they have been. I mean, we were, you know, uh, I, I mean, this is the largest shift in where people are working, and it's happened in so many different countries um, uh, since the Industrial Revolution. I mean, and it happened sort of in a matter of weeks. Um, obviously, different countries are in different situations now, but this level of disruption is quite unprecedented. And I mean, the technology has been a kind of beneficial thing for us, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it has got further to go. And, you know, our experiences of work, you know, you and I have looked into what that might look like in, in 10 years or so. And I think we will have something much more immersive at the moment. You know, we make the best of the technology. It can do a lot for us. And it's been great to see people discover just how much connection they can get through, you know, things like video calling and and bringing together people in, in perhaps surprising ways and just experimenting. So much is about the practices that we bring to technology. Um, you know, how do we, um, you know, work with our emotions? How do we... Um, collaborate? How do we manage people? You know, one of the you about Halloween stories earlier, Paul, and, you know, one of the things that I've seen that's more disturbing is, is how much monitoring is going on. So actual monitoring technology that might be clicks or emails, but also people managing through staff having to, for example, you know, I must post like in the instant messaging channel so that they know I'm online. You know, this is not this is not the fault of the technology, but it's bringing poor practices in. Um, so we need to build, you know, trust, connection, just as we would in, you know, if we were face to face. And, and just the challenge is slightly different, I guess, doing it through through our online world. So, Elizabeth, um, for anybody struggling with digital well-being, we've got a, a new DWG report coming out, haven't we? 
Yes, so this is this will be available on our website. I think by the time this podcast is live, it's called Digital Workplace Overload: How to Reduce Employee Techno Stress. Um, so that's the report I've I've written. It's a particular interest area, obviously. So in there, we actually define, you know, what is digital workplace overload. Look at some of the problems. So I bring together some of the research that shows, you know, the issues that it's causing, some of the drivers. We look a little bit at the psychology. Um, and then we look at what to do about it. And we look at that at three different levels. So organizational uh, and, and leadership level. So things like um, the cultural norms, support, policies, training. Then we also look at information and technology management. So things like, you know, streamlining the content and communication, really taking a user centered approach, you know, bringing tools and information together. And then, as I've already mentioned, you know, that individual and team level. So how do we kind of keep ourselves focused, deal with interruptions, et cetera, et cetera. So there's lots and lots of advice mm. for organizations in, in there. Great. So that, then that'll be in the show notes or you can find it on the Digital Workplace Group site, which is digitalworkplacegroup.com. Um, and, and, and Christine, um, you've got a new book coming out. Um, called Agile Working and Wellbeing in the Digital Age. Could you just give listeners a little summary of the book and, and how do they get hold of it? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, so this book's really aimed at researchers and practitioners too. In fact, anyone who's interested in remote e-working, home working, or agile working. Um, so we look at um, how it's important for the needs of customers, service users, and, and an ever-changing market, and how we can achieve that through meeting the goals of effectiveness and well-being. Uh, we use state-of-the-art theory to understand and how to optimize agile working by looking at key issues, um, psychological ones around personality, team working and management. We also define the concept of agile working, trying to unpack some of those often misunderstood terms around that, uh, such as telework, remote working, etc. cetera. Uh, and we look to explore the well-being consequences of agile work, including sedentary behaviors, digital distraction, something called digital resistance, which is quite interesting. Uh, and we try to offer insights for the future and what that might look like, you know, things like working in community hubs and uh, and all that sort of area as well. Mm. Great. And, and when's it out and how do people get hold of it? Yeah, so I'm hoping it will be out in December this year um, and it's available on Amazon. Fantastic. So that's that's really good. So the question that I, I like to end the podcast with is what is a perfect working day? So, Elizabeth, what, what's a perfect working day for you? Um, and presumably would involve some time with your new dog. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Puppy entertainment at the moment <laughs> is a key part. But actually, it's a word that you said earlier, Paul, variety. And that's really important to me and, and keeps me quite engaged. So I might spend, you know, a couple of hours working on a DWG research project, then a bit of puppy fun. And then I might be looking at some reading I'm doing for my study um, perhaps going out. And so, so, you know, like you said, that that kind of autonomy of shaping my day um, uh, uh, kind of as it goes. But, but as I mentioned also, making sure that there's some, some boundaries and spaces around things um, so that I can look after my well-being too. Sounds perfect. And Christine, <laughs> what's a perfect working day for you? And I, I, I know you're a little bit, not quite workaholic. No, that'd be going too far. But you're somebody who likes a, to put in a hard day's work. So, but what? But what? What is a perfect working day for you? I'm worried that I am coming across as a workaholic now. But uh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> I did want to say that I kind of have my day job where I'm a deputy head of school. But actually, my research is so important to me that adding value in you know in a social context. I don't mind if that takes me over hours, which it often does. So, um, but yeah, the, uh, you know, a good balance of the vitamins of well-being. So, you know, as I said earlier, the social, the physical, all of that, if you can possibly do it, or at least one of them. Um, but being really productive makes me feel good. Uh, and being focused on my work, you know, having my priority list and getting through that, 
Um, and I love talking and sharing the, the days ups and downs with colleagues, checking in. Um, and I guess my downtime, I do like to read new research, but <laughs> you know, that's a bit sad, really, isn't it? But, um, I do like to, you know, talk to my daughter who's at uni at the minute and not able to come home, really. So that's quite a nice thing to mm. do and, and reconnect with, uh, other friends too. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I've done, um, which makes it sound like I've got it all kind of sorted out, but uh, I, I, I start. I don't start work until eleven every day now. Um, this is one of these irritating things that'll just annoy people when they hear of it. So that I can go for a walk with our dog, so that I can do my yoga, so I can meditate, have breakfast, and then start eleven. And you know that I, 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 if I don't do that, I have what I call a dishevelled day. And and dishevelled days are bad days, so um, you know, perfect working day for me always involves in, involves that. But thank you both so much for um, sharing your perspectives on um, digital well being. Any any final comments from you, Elizabeth? Just it's great to see more attention getting onto this topic um, as we're moving through you know this difficult time. And, and I think that we're going to come out with with a much better understanding of, you know, not just as organisations, but individually, what do we need in the ways that we work? And, and uh, I think that's a, a good thing. And final reflections from from you, Christine? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about the future. I think for me, this has been an amazing time for my research um, and to see it out there and being used and, and really sort of connecting with lots of different researchers. But I think, um, you know, there can be a lot of frustration attached to this type of working, but also those positive benefits. And I, I can't wait to see what the future holds. I'm just hoping that, you know, there are more places where we can go and work together in this way that it actually brings our communities together more. I'm really quite looking forward to the the differences um, and the different prospects mm. it can bring to us. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when you're in the immersed in something, it, you, you, you can feel focus on the things that are, are, are challenges that are struggles but one of the things like, like you christine that i'm really enthusiastic about is what i call working close to home so it's not about working at home but it's working um either alongside colleagues who might live near you locally or with other people locally in in communal workspaces and i think that could be a a really positive thing economically and socially for local communities um and i think there's going to be a whole bunch of things coming out of it because it's i mean i mean this year's not been boring um it's been challenging but it's not been boring well actually no it has been boring it's been quite monotonous at times don't know why i said that anyway um thank you both so much for for sharing and um lovely to talk to you both thank you thank you digital workplace impact is brought to you by the digital workplace group dwg is a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership benchmarking and boutique consulting services for more information visit digitalworkplacegroup.com <laughs>